0: Last week, I shared something with you as we started our series called Outward, and it was a quote by Tom Rainer, who uh, is the CEO of something called Lifeway Research, and Rainer says this, that the most common factor in declining churches is an outward focus. I shared some other things, some other facts with you about churches that are in decline, and... One of the factors that goes into decline in our churches um, is that there is what we call an attrition rate that happens every year. In other words, a church has to grow every year in order to simply stay the same. And for years, I've been uh, operating on a percentage that I had come across uh, quite a few years ago that it was 8%. And now I'm seeing numbers that are saying that 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 could be as high as 15% or more. And what that really means, if we operate uh, on the 8% number, what that really means is that in a church, uh, any church, that over the course of 12 years, that church is going to basically have to double in size in order to stay the same. That is a huge number. And so we want to look at this idea of being an outward-focused church so that we can continue to thrive and grow as we move forward. I remember about 15 years ago, uh, and it was right before we purchased Silver Creek and moved to this location, there was a young couple that had been attending the church And for reasons of of job and employment, they moved from the Marquette area to Green Bay. And it was interesting because they, they moved to the church that my parents were attending in the Green Bay area. And so I got to continue um, seeing them occasionally and having conversations. And I remember having a conversation with the husband sometime after they had moved away. And his statement to me was this. You know, when we were there and we attended the church, he said it was just too big. It was too big. And I found that really interesting because the church that he was now attending in, in Green Bay was larger than we were when he was attending here. But he said it's just it's just too big. And so it brought up an issue in my mind about how do we take the church as a whole and how do we make it feel more personal? How do we give those? who attend on Sunday morning an opportunity to grow and mature in their faith and to develop relationships that are going to make it much more comfortable. And the answer is that we've got to break it down into smaller, more personable groups that are, that are more comfortable for people. We've got to allow them to take what they're hearing on Sunday morning and we've got to let them discuss it. We've got to let them ask questions. We've got to let them wrestle with it to process it and ultimately to begin to implement it personally in their lives. And here at Silver Creek, we call that connect groups. You might call it home groups. You might call it small groups. But we have chosen to call it connect groups. In his book, Transformational Groups, Co-author Eric Geiger says that 79% of those surveyed agree that small groups are very important in the church. And as I was looking at that, that statistic, I thought to myself, I wonder what percentage of the churches that those people represent How many people in those churches are actually engaged in groups? Because if 79% of us believe that it's important, but only 50% of us are actually participating and involved in a group of some type, that means that there's another 29% of us that believe that it's important and we're just choosing not to do it. I found that really interesting. Author Ed Stetzer says this, when we preach the gospel to one another in a close-knit community, there is spiritual growth that changes us individually and as a whole. That change causes us to position for an outward focus. And friends, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for that outward focus. And he goes on and says, And encourage gospel transformation in the communities outside the church walls. Our vision, our mission here at Silver Creek Church is taking the church to the community. Why? Because we realize that they're not all going to come here to hear the gospel. So we've got to take it out beyond the walls of this church. And in order for us to be outward focused, we need to move toward maturity in our lives. Maturity in our faith will dramatically impact or be impacted when we begin to commit ourselves to groups within the body of Christ. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to share four benefits with you of getting connected in a group within the body of Christ. The first benefit is this. It's called individual realization. In his first letter to the Corinthian church, the Apostle Paul had to address a particular issue in the church body. Now, let me say this, that historically, we know that in Jewish society, boys were educated far more than girls, and sometimes they were the only ones that were educated. Okay? Now, we realize that this is not how we should do it and we would do it in our culture today and how we do do it, but that is the reality of Jewish society when Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And evidently, while they came together as the body of Christ, husbands and wives would sit in different areas, and the wives would sit in one area, and the husbands would sit in another area. I don't know why they did this. I don't see any reason for it um, as I read Corinthians, but that evidently is what happened. And when a wife had a question from what was being shared during the gathering, she only had one person in society that she was allowed to ask, and that was her husband. And so rather than wait until they got home and got the roast out after church, okay? None of you do roast anymore after church, do you? Man, that was living when I was growing up. Instead of waiting until after the service, what, they, what she would do is she would stand up and she would yell her question to her husband, okay? Now, it sounds funny to us now, but Paul actually addresses this in his letter to the Corinthians. Now, I can see why Paul would address this issue in his letter. Now, I, I listen, I love to preach, and I love a little bit of feedback, okay? I do. When you guys are a little chirpy, I really kind of like it, okay? Um, but there is, there is a limit to how much feedback and how much interaction we have, there's a limit to what really is effective because at some point it actually begins to work against us, okay, in what we're trying to accomplish here. But in a gathering like this, we really can't have a conversation in this environment because if we do, it's only going to edify that one person and everybody else is going to be completely left out of the loop. There's no opportunity for you to receive uh, input or feedback regarding your thoughts or your questions. You're really, uh, in this kind of a a setting, you're not able to ask uh, and receive a specific answer for a question that you might have. But when we're a part of a group, whether it's a connect group on Wednesday nights, Whether it's a prayer group, whether it's a women's group or a men's group, whether it's a group of students in the youth group, whatever it is, when we're a part of a group, we have the ability to have discussion regarding spiritual truth that we're learning. Stetzer also says this, Spiritual growth happens better with others in community, with open lines of communication and freedom to speak into one another's lives. In a small group setting, we can discuss, we can ask questions, we can make comments, we can share our personal experiences, we can make personal discoveries, we can be vulnerable with each other. In 1 Thessalon- Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11, the Apostle Paul says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. When we get together as part of a group, we're able to speak into one another's lives. We can encourage one another and we can be encouraged. And the light bulb, there's an opportunity for the light bulb to come on And we can come to important realizations in our own lives. I'm so glad that the Bible tells us that the word of God will not return void. And when we are in those those group settings and we are talking with one another and we are we are pulling those things apart and wrestling over the things that we have been learning, when we have that moment where the light bulb comes on and we have a realization, that is one of the benefits of being in a group together. The second one is this, maximum impact. Now, I'm not suggesting that... Attending on Sunday morning and listening to a message that's delivered by a pastor is of less of an impact. But I am saying that we need both. We need to gather together on Sunday mornings. Your spiritual life needs it. My spiritual life needs it. But we also need to be part of a group. Our worship team is a group. They, they rehearse together. They spend actually quite a bit of time together preparing for Sunday mornings. It's a group. They have discussions that are different than they have with other people in the church because they are part of that group. Now, I want you to know that as we talk about the, the, the corporate worship gathering. Scripture tells us that the word of God needs to be the central focus and that we need to get together to worship the Lord. We need to get get together and look at the word of God as the body. It's a foundational activity of the church and of the believer, but there are some things that in the context of this corporate gathering that are not practical in this setting. On Sunday's we give uh, an opportunity for people many times to respond at the end of the preaching. Sometimes we, we call people forward for prayer uh, even at, as part of our worship. But we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. We allow Him to, to, to speak to us and then we respond literally visibly by, by getting up from our seat and coming forward and, and coming to an altar and being prayed for. But we also need the opportunity to get down to the nitty-gritty of what's happening in our lives. James says it this way in James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. How do you think it would work on Sunday morning if I, if I grabbed, uh, grabbed a mic and we just passed it around and asked people to confess their sins? How do you think that would happen? Some of you just immediately, just visibly, I saw you jerk a little bit when I said that. You're like, oh, hey, wait, wait a second. Think about that for just a moment. But that's what James says. Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. There are some things that are better to be accomplished in a small group setting. And a small group that meets regularly develops a sense of community between its members. And on numerous occasions, and I'm going to use our connect group as an example. And, and our Connect Group leader is Alvin. I've told you that before. Alvin is actually preaching in Trout Creek, Wisconsin this morning, uh, filling in for a pastor who is on sabbatical. And I texted Alvin this morning just telling him how much I love and appreciate him. But in our group, I want you to know that there are group members that have shared things that are deeply personal about moments, now get this, of failure and sin in their lives. Hey, what do what you... No, nope, We don't force anybody to say anything. We don't drag it out of them. We don't demand that they share. No one is made to feel uncomfortable until they share, but they freely share and they, they share those things. They don't look positive in what they're saying. They actually are revealing things that are in their life that they know are contrary to God's word. This week we heard about the chicken story in our group. And I can't tell you the chicken story, okay? Because because that happened within the context of my small group, okay? But it was someone sharing something that happened in their life. And it made a powerful impact on everyone else that was present in our group in our group and and, and if you if you met with me privately in counseling and you shared that's why I don't share the chicken story because somebody shared that in the context of that group but in, in our group in our group, literally, uh, there, there, we have shared to the point where others have acknowledged and commented about the level of vulnerability that's been cultivated within our group. That could never happen in this gathering, okay? It, it shouldn't happen in this gathering. We're unable to grow the way that we should when we are isolated as a believer. And it is possible to come to this gathering and still be isolated as a believer. You come in right before the service starts. You don't talk to anybody. You take your seat. You leave right after. You are isolated. But when you're in a small group, it's a lot more difficult to be isolated and we need it, that in order to grow in our lives. At our last men's breakfast that we had, I just asked them about where they see the activity of God in, in their lives and in the church. And one of the guys immediately began to share. We didn't have to, we didn't have to cajole anybody. We actually kind of had to to turn it off after a while because so many guys were sharing. But one guy said, you know something? He said this past week, he said, I did something in my Christian life that I've never done before. And he began to share what it was and literally was choking back the emotions of tears wanting to well up. This is a men's breakfast. Why? Why? because we were a smaller group that was gathered together where vulnerability and authenticity was able to happen. What an incredible impact. That can't happen with everybody on a Sunday. Now there are, there are moments when individuals on a Sunday can, can, can after a service, man, the Lord is really moving and, 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 and there's ministry that's happening but for for the vast majority of us. Friends, I I want you to know that there are people that attended Silver Creek Church more than 10 years ago that I am still in contact with that moved out of the UP and I'm still in contact with them because we were in a small group together. That's pretty powerful because normally it's out of sight, out of mind. Small groups really connect us together. Benefit number three is authentic relationship. Over the past several weeks, I've been in uh, Paul's letters in my devotions, and I noticed something. He refers to people like Timothy and Titus and Onesimus as sons or true sons in the faith. He talks about people like Philemon and Priscilla and Aquila and many others as friends and and fellow laborers. He has this incredible deep connection with a number of people in his life. And it's so obvious that he deeply loves these people. Did you know that Jesus said that the way that they will know that we are Christians is by the love that we have for one another? That's within the context of the church of believers. One of the greatest criticisms against the church has always been hypocrisy. Always. A lot of people have been hurt by the church. You know, inadvertently, the church, and I I include myself in this, but, but we can project an attitude of having it all together. When I was a kid, We always wore our best on Sunday. In fact, the best clothes that we owned were called our Sunday best, okay? You always wore your Sunday best. That was part of giving your best to God. But the attitude that it projected was that on Sunday morning, everything was okay and we had it all together. When in reality, we all knew during the week that they didn't have it all together. We weren't trying to do that, but someone coming in from the outside might think that that's what we were saying. We've got it all together. We've got everything going in the right direction. Sunday morning may not be the opportunity that we really need to tell everyone the things that are going on in our lives. But when we make the commitment to become part of a small group, we have the opportunity to be genuine, to be authentic with those who are part of our group. When we become part of a group as the weeks go on, we begin to get to know one another we begin to trust each other and eventually we begin to open up to one another and share things about ourselves and indeed may I even say that we go as far as to confess our sins to one another. And nobody was thinking of that verse when they did it. We're just telling a story about true life. Just telling just tell real life. Just being genuine. Genuine. No one in this place is perfect. Do you know that Isaiah the prophet, he said that our righteousness is as filthy rags. And that phrase, filthy rags, is about the worst and the dirtiest and the most disgusting that you would want to imagine. It's filthy. It's bad. That's what our, our, we, we have no perfection. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. And I praise God for the forgiving power of Jesus' precious blood that cleanses us from sin. I'm so glad that God does not see my sin, but he sees me through the blood of Jesus Christ and he calls me holy. I'm so glad for that, but I know that I'm not perfect. In my connect group, I've learned that The people of Silver Creek are not perfect because they share it. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2, Paul says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Why? Because we're not perfect and we're going to share that with one another and then I'm going to know that information and I've got to be patient, I've got to be enduring, I've got to be forbearing with others in that relationship. This past week, one of the guys in our group shared something that happened with him this week. He went into a store. Something happened and he got frustrated and he left in a huff. And over the next 24 hours, the Holy Spirit began to convict him. What does the Holy Spirit convict us of? Sin. The Holy Spirit began to convict him and he went back into that store And the same clerk was working, and he apologized. Friends, that is a a depth of sharing that happens when we meet together. That is a level of an authentic relationship that God can bring us to. The more things that I learn about my connect group, is not, it doesn't make me repel, okay? Oh, I learned that this person sinned. It actually causes me to love them more. I love them more because they are real. And there's a relationship there that happens. These things are nearly impossible if we just come to church on Sunday morning and worship in a corporate gathering. We will grow, we will be encouraged, we will be built up because we commit ourselves to other people within groups. And then finally, benefit number four is higher expectation. In a Gallup survey, they discovered that the number one reason why people don't attend church was that they prefer to worship alone. An article in Outreach Magazine identified three of the main reasons why people don't get involved in church. I found this really interesting. I want you to to get this. Some people feel useless. Other people feel hurt. And still others feel just plain lazy. As the church, we need to encourage those who feel useless. We need to heal the hurting and challenge those who are struggling with motivation. I want you to imagine for a moment that Silver Creek Church consisted only of people who attended on Sunday morning and nothing else. We would be trying to contribute to the spiritual health of people, but no one else in the church would be trying to contribute to the spiritual health of another. Tom Rayner. In his book, High Expectations, he said this. This is, really, this is really gonna, I think, surprise you. Church members who get involved in some type of group in the church are five times more likely to be active in the church five years later. Rayner said this was one of the most surprising things that his research has ever taught him, that being involved in a group meant that you were five times more likely to be involved in the church or be even at the church five years later. Do you know what one of the hardest questions I've ever been asked as a pastor? Hey, where's so-and-so been lately? That is literally probably the question that that just, it, it, it evokes a lot of, Um, sadness and, and difficulty in my own heart because it might be a long time since that person has been around and someone's just getting around to noticing that they've been gone Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20 tells us the key to the power behind small groups Jesus said we're for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I with them. We think, well, you know, it's gotta have the band. And I love the band. I I love our worship team. They do a great job. Man, they lead us. I I I love to worship the Lord. But Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. So we don't have to have everything that we have on Sunday morning in order for the Lord to be with us, in order for the Holy Spirit to be present. That's the power behind small groups. Being in a small group demonstrates that that we're committed to the lives of others who are in our church. Being a part of a small group, it dramatically increases, I believe, our ability to mature in the faith and to grow strong as believers. Believers. Being in a small group gives us the best chance that we're not going to drop out of the church family. And think about this. By inviting someone else to join you in a small group, you are improving the chances that they will still be in the church by five times. Do you realize that? By inviting that person to come. In small group world, we call that the empty chair. Invite someone to fill that empty chair. We always want to have room for one more in our groups. So let me ask you this. In your walk with Jesus, are you involved with a small group of people where you can be authentic, where you can be genuine, where you can be vulnerable where you can live out the things that you're hearing on Sunday morning in a corporate worship gathering or things that you've read in your devotional during the week. But you can talk about it. You can wrestle it. And you don't have to appear to be perfect. In fact, you might dare even confess your sins to one another so that you might be forgiven and healed. Are you in a group like that? If you're not... I want to challenge you to become a part of that. Because I believe that when we are, that is when the church is at its best. That's when the church is really functioning because we're building each other up. We're encouraging one another in the faith. And indeed, we are growing stronger. Jesus said, I will build my church And being a part of a group is a place that we can be where we are built up and encouraged in our faith. I believe that's what he desires for you and I.